Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bible Truth Podcast and the School of Obedience. Welcome. My name is Don Pullen. Thank you for joining. Today we want to look at a topic that we don't hear much about in the modern church, and that is a reprobate mind. Let's get into some scripture, and then we're going to talk about a reprobate mind. Amen. Let's get this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 to 7. The Bible says, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. We're going to talk about this and examining ourselves and so on and so forth. But um, what is a reprobate mind? Because when you look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Mm, Interesting. Something catches my eye there. It says God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And this, it obviously brings up a lot of questions. But let's get into this. And as we go through, we're going to study the word and understand a few things. But we want to make clear what a reprobate mind is. So first of all, we're going to get the definition of the word reprobate. So we are clear going forward. The word reprobate comes from the Greek word adokimos, which means unapproved, rejected, worthless, cast away. Let me just say that again. Adokimos is unapproved, worthless, cast away, and rejected. So when we go back to Romans one twenty-eight, and we say, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to an unapproved mind, to a rejected mind, a worthless mind, to do those things which are not convenient. Now, still, it doesn't fully give us the concept of being reprobate. What is reprobate? Who is reprobate? How do I know that I'm reprobate? Because the man writing there, Paul, says, examine yourself. In fact, to better understand a reprobate, we're going to ask Paul to help us. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 9. And I want you to carefully take note of what he says, because this gives us a better understanding of what it is to be reprobate. Now, I'm going to read through the verses, okay? I'm reading from verse 1 to 9. And as I'm going through the verses, I'm going to give the definitions of certain words for us to better understand what Paul is telling us and teaching us. All right, so let's start reading. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So he's saying in the last days, difficult, hard times are going to come. 
And this is why hard times are going to come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. I want you to listen to this carefully, and I want you to listen to each word that he says, or each statement, can I say, defining what reprobate is, how the reprobate heart and reprobate mind is. Okay? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, which is from the Greek word philaguros, which means fond of silver, money. Okay? Lovers of money. And uh, uh, while, we, while we're talking about this, while I'm reading through this, I want you to see, I want you to compare the Bible, not only to yourself, but to the modern world, and see where we're at. Let me start again. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. You've got to immediately think about social media, especially Instagram. An individual can post about 15 pictures a day of themselves, some people even more. And when you listen to motivational speakers, when you go to church and you listen to some sermons that are taught in some churches, it's all about me, 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 I, me. So men shall be lovers of themselves. Covetous. Remember the Greek word, philaguros. Fond of money, fond of silver. They shall be boasters. And that's from the Greek word, aladzon. And that's a person who boasts about their achievements or possessions. Somebody who's always got to talk about what they've done, what they've achieved. And again, think of social media. Somebody graduated, got a degree in something, and it's plastered over all over social media. Oh, got my degree in this. And then they go ranting on about, oh, education so important, people. You've got to get your papers in. You've got to get your work done. And, oh, I bought a car. Oh, I did this. Boasters. Okay. A person who boasts about their achievements or possessions. Then he says people will be proud. And that's the Greek word, huperephanos, appearing above others, haughty, arrogant, exalting yourselves above others, thinking that you're better than everybody else. Blasphemous, and that comes from the word blasphemous, making or spreading scandalous claims about someone with the intention of damaging their reputation especially God, making claims against God or impious against God, showing a lack of respect for God or religion. You find on YouTube so many atheists, and it's all fine that they want to be ignorant and be atheists, but why then be disrespectful to the Bible? Why then be disrespectful to God? And why come up with lies? People who are, we're moving on in the verse, people who are disobedient to parents, unthankful, that's ungrateful people, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, people who do not keep their word, and false accusers. Everybody out there, the gossiper, you got to hear me out here. 
Because when you talk about people and you create stories, false stories about them, my gosh, there's some people out there, you can lie. And you can lie about people and create a false narrative, which is dangerous. But look at what a false accuser is. Listen to this. The Greek word for false accuser is diabolos. Diabolos, which means devil, one who attacks the reputation of another by slander. And this is big these days. A traducer, one who attacks the reputation of another by slander. Specifically, Satan, the false accuser, the devil, the slanderer. If you are going to destroy somebody's reputation, if you are going to falsely accuse a person, you are like the devil. Because that's what the devil does. The Bible says he goes to the Father and he accuses the saints. So if you're lying about somebody, if you're falsely accusing somebody, you are exactly like Satan. Incontinent. The Greek word there is akrates, powerless against temptation. Somebody without self-control. You know, a lot of addiction in the world today. And when you, when you think of addiction, we often think of substance abuse, alcohol abuse. But these days, people are addicted to television. You hear people saying, oh, I binge-watched the season of whatever people binge-watch. But you hear that. You hear you see so much obesity in society today and people addicted to substance abuse. People are addicted to social media. People are addicted to their phones. It's shocking to me when I hear people saying that I went on a 24-hour fast from social media and it was difficult. It was hard. It was harder than actually not eating. We've become people without self-control. We are powerless, weak against all the devices that are against us. And we have to fight. We have to endure. We have to endure hardship. We have to overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. And talking about people without self-control, you see in the world today the drug pandemic that has spread globally is killing us. Anyway, let's move on. It says people will be fierce. And the Greek word there is enemeros, savages, aggressive, fierce, violent people. And that's another thing that's been on the rise in the last five years is crime, violent crime, domestic violence. People will be despisers of those that are good, traitors, people that do not keep their word, people that are dishonest, people that will not stand by you. And he says, despisers of those that are good. They'll hate people that are good. Heady, that's the Greek word, propetes, which means rash, not thinking, just making decisions, just going ahead and doing whatever I want to do, not taking time out to think that, is this the will of God? Am I in the will of God? Does God want this for me? People will be high-minded. The Greek word is tuf o to inflate with self-conceit. 
be lifted up with pride. You look at people and you think, I'm better than them. And people like that, high-minded people, never look at people who are better than them. They always look at people they think are lower than them. And they tell themselves, at least I'm better than that person. And then their pride, they exalted in pride. The danger of I, the danger of me, self-exaltation, self-glorification, front rows and front seats, standing ovations. That's what we chase after. That's what we love. People will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. My goodness. You know, reading through each one of these things, it shows the modern world today. And when I say modern world, I'm not worried about what's going on out there in the world. I'm talking about the church. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What does that mean? What is it to have a form of godliness and to deny the power thereof? Those who have a form of godliness are those who make an outward display of religion. They can talk the talk and they can put on a front, they can put on an attitude. They present themselves as godly, but it's all for show. There is no power behind their religion. As evidence in the fact that their lives are unchanged, they speak of God and live in sin, and they are fine with that arrangement. So many people talk about God and living for God, but they're chasing paper, they're chasing money, they, they live after money, they think about money, they worship money. And, and, and we get this thing that I'm a good Christian because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't club, I don't party, I don't commit adultery. That doesn't define Christianity. Because there are people out there in the world that are atheists, but do not do those things for health reasons. So you say to me, so Don, what is a Christian then? How is a Christian defined if me being a good person does not define me being a Christian? What is a Christian? Jesus says, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Because if you're not willing to pick up your cross, if you're not willing to deny yourself, if you're not willing to follow me, he says you are not worthy of me. Let's move on. Let that, let that just sink in and think about that, but let's move on. He says, from such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen to this. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Are you with me on this? What I want to do is, I want to go back and I want to read the entire verse without reading the definitions, and then we'll move on. All right. 
This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Take note of the example of individuals he uses to show us what reprobate is. Janus and Jambres, these were the two magicians who went against Aaron and Moses in Exodus chapter 7. Can we then say a reprobate person is an individual who goes against the word of God? Now you have to remember that a reprobate person is one who refuses to repent, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I have to point this out. To deny the power of God is to deny Christ. It's extreme, but true. If we go to Titus chapter 1, verse 16, Paul, talking about bad leaders or bad teachers of the word, says this, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. Are you following me? So he gives a list of people that are reprobate, people who love money, who love the world, truth breakers, liars, false accusers, gossipers. He says these people are reprobate. And on top of that, to know that they're reprobate, they claim to be godly. Mm. I mean, think about it. I, I go and I visit um, a friend or... I go and I visit a friend or a workmate or, you know, whoever, and I sit and we talk about other people for about two hours. We talk about their past. We talk about their past sins, just like the devil did. Remember, that's what the devil does, just like the devil does. And we talk about the mistakes they made, and we talk about how they're failing, how they're struggling, how they're sinning, how they're addicted to substances, whatever we talk about. And then after that, we call ourselves godly. Yet we are doing the work of Satan, having a form of godliness, understanding what the, the traditions of church are. But we deny Christ. We deny the power thereof by the way we live. Reprobate. Now, let's go to the book of Romans and see something very interesting. I'm reading from Romans chapter 1, from verse 28 to 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Hold on. We've seen this when we started this teaching. 
God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God gave them over to a mind that is the mind of a castaway, a rejected mind, in order for them to do those things which are not convenient. What's going down here? Why would God do that? Is it not God's desire that all men come to salvation? And this is the things they did, doing those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, people who are unable to be stopped in all this nonsense that they're doing, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You know the saying, birds of a feather? Mm. They like it when you do those things with them. You become friends. Imagine forming a bond with people. Oh, we, we're so close, we love each other, but you're murderers. Imagine a gang of murderers and you celebrate in that. Imagine a, a, a group of people that are deceitful. Imagine a group of people that are backbiters. And that's your bond. Your bond is not based on righteousness. It's not based on the word, on truth. It's based on gossiping and backbiting and hating and being proud, being boastful about what you have, being a murderer, being covetous, being a fornicator, being wicked. That's your bond, being unmerciful. Your bond is things that are sinful and you take pleasure in those things. And when you read the last part of the verse of what we read here, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That explains fully what a reprobate mind is. Now going back to verse 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Why would God give them over to such a despicable life? Why would he cast them away? Well, this is the answer. He did it because he is merciful. And you must be like, what? He gave them over to vile living because he's merciful. What you're talking about. Let me read something to you. I want to read the prodigal son and then we'll talk about it. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to 32. And this is a bit of a read, but let's do it. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, I want you to think about something here, reading this. The son comes to the father and he says, Father, give me my inheritance. And then the father divides unto them his living. He gives him his inheritance. That's not how it went down. That's not how it would go down. If I was the father and my son comes to me and says, give me my inheritance, we're going to talk about it first. But you've got to realize that the son must have persisted. He must have been getting irritated. 
he must have been getting angry with his father, saying things that he doesn't mean, but he wanted to get his inheritance. So the father divided unto them his living. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered everything he had and took his journey into a far country. He's like, I got to get out of this home. I can't be here anymore. And I'm rich now. So he went to a far country. He was under the care. I want you to think about this as we're reading this. He was under the care and the discipline of the father. He was protected by his father's discipline and instruction. But now he's left and he's gone to a far country. He's far away from home. He's left to his own devices. He don't need to listen to daddy no more. And when he was in a far country, he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent it all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he set him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of their hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now when his eldest son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Your brother is come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And, and the son was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came to him and said, and entreated him. And he answered, saying to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time at thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid I'm, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and hath, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. I want to point out something here. This The older brother says, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any of thine commandment. And that's what I was saying earlier. The younger son did not want to obey the commandments of the house. And that's why he went to a far country. And the father gave him everything. And he was given over to his own devices. And this parable of Jesus 
is one of the most amazing parables ever written. It's a parable of love, true love. Anyway, in this parable, God is the Father, and we are the sons, the younger sons, some of us the older. Like I said earlier, I do not think that when the son asked for his share of the inheritance that the father gave him instantly, I do think there was a back and forth for a few days, maybe even weeks or months, but eventually the son got his way and became a reprobate. That's right, a castaway. But I want you to see this. Check this. Check what happens to a reprobate. What happens to a person? Just think about this. What happens to a person that just indulges in the carnal? Destruction. Destruction happens. You lose everything. You are stripped down to the bare minimum until the most important things are before you. You can be living that high life, things going well for you, but you become proud. You become arrogant. And most importantly, you become disobedient. And you start feeling yourself. And you know, people say that, oh, you know, Oh, we're doing so well, just bought a very expensive house. And because we're in church, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, we say things like, it's the hand of God. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have this. But that's just to appear spiritual. So you're given over to the carnal. You're given over to those devices. And then slowly, the wages of sin is death. Slowly you begin to die. Slowly those things are taken away from you until the bare minimum, the most important things are left before you. And what is the most important thing? Life. So what did the son do? He was handed over to be reprobate. He went and he lived however he wanted to live. And destruction came on his life. And what did he decide to do? He said, I'm going home. I'm going home. How many people were caught up in the world, caught up in money and in the love of the world and spending, and slowly everything is taken away from you. Slowly, what happens? People say, I now want to seek God. I now want to pray. I now want to read my Bible. And that is why God hands them over to a reprobate mind so the flesh can be destroyed, but the soul be saved. It is God's desire that all men come to salvation. All men. That's God's desire. Not some men. All men. We want to shut this down. Okay, so we understand what a reprobate mind is. But at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 13, 5-7, Paul says, examine yourselves. This is a very important task we have. And we must do this often. But the question you have to be asking is, what does he mean and how do I examine myself? What does he mean? To examine oneself spiritually includes an honest look at whether one is truly a believer in Jesus. Along with that, it calls Christians to examine the details and results of their faith to see if it's according to the truth. For example, somebody knocks on my door and I answer the door. And they're standing there and they're like, listen, I haven't eaten in two days. I'm hungry. And you can clearly see that this, this individual has not had a meal. So I either give them money or prepare a meal for them. Immediately after doing that action, I have to examine myself. Am I doing it for self-glory 
Am I doing it for God to be glorified? Now these days it's easy to tell if I'm doing it for self-glory because those of us who are doing it for self-glory, we give the dude a meal and we take a picture with him and then we put the hashtag feeding the hungry. Although some people are subtle with it, but that's an example. That's an example of examining yourself. When you come to God and you want to ask for forgiveness, you first examine, have you forgiven people? You see, it's a measure against the Word of God, but let's go on. I'm digressing and I'm going off track a little bit here. Okay, so you have to measure your faith and see if it's according to the truth. It would involve scrutinizing one, one's own conduct to see how or if they follow through on the will of God for their lives and if they are living in absolute obedience to the Word of God. In short, Paul is asking them to see if Christ is truly in them. How is Christ truly in you? I have to say this. Paul says, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I am dead. You are dead to the works of the flesh and living to glorify God. But I need to say this. Before you go anywhere in trying to examine yourself, you have to humble yourself. Realize you cannot do this with human reasoning. Matthew 5.3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit is exactly that, poverty of spirit, acknowledging your need for God. And then James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Don't come to God and say you're examining yourself, but you've got pride in your heart. Now, let's go on. How do I examine myself? Firstly, and most importantly, you examine yourself by measuring yourself against the Word. And if you find you are living contrary to the Word, change accordingly. Psalms 119, 59-60 I thought on my ways, you see, I examined myself, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto your testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep your commandments. So, he says, I examine myself and I turn towards your testimonies and I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Measure yourself against the word of God. A good place to start is Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6 and chapter 7. Read those words of Christ and measure yourself against those words. Are you living those words? Are you practicing those words? Secondly, when you examine yourself, do not compare yourself to other people. Humans have this habit of comparing themselves to people they think are lesser. Remember what Jesus said about the speck, Matthew 7, 3-5. Why do you behold the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Do not compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself against or to the word, not other people. Because human beings are not the standard for life. Thirdly, prayerfully examine yourself. Ask God to reveal to you through conviction the sins that lay deep in your heart, the life that you live that is anti-Christ. Job 13.23, how many are mine iniquity and sins? Make 
me to know my transgressions and my sin or to pray about it. It's simple. Let God reveal you've sinned against Him. Amen. I hope you've been blessed. Thank you for joining today. If you've reached this point in the video, please leave a like and subscribe if you have not already. If you have any questions, leave them in the comment section below. And then just under the video, you have the join button. Okay, that's where the subscribe, the like, the join button is. For anyone who'd like to become a channel member, or if you'd like to leave a one-time gift, you can click the thanks button, which is also below this video. I would also like to ask you to scroll down to the description. There is a link to our Patreon page. Please prayerfully consider supporting the work that we do. Thank you, and God bless you. And before we head out, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone that is already supporting us, everyone that is doing all they can to keep this channel going and helping us and helping us build a better production setup so that we can be more efficient and we can work better and we can push out teachings quickly. Thank you to everyone that is participating. Thank you so much. May God bless you. May God enrich you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Remember, as true disciples of Christ, we learn, we practice, and we teach because that's the only way to do it. And I'll see you in the next one.